This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast, if God has your heart, God has your money. If money has your heart, money is your God. Because right? whatever has your whatever has your heart is your God. If God has your heart, God has all your money. If money has your heart, money is your God. It's just a reality. Hey everyone, this is Brandon and welcome to the Activate Podcast, a ministry resource of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. I'm looking forward to today's conversation with Pastor Christian because it's going to be focused on Sunday's message in our summer series called The Parables of Jesus. And throughout this series, we're learning more about the teachings of Jesus. You know, Jesus would often speak in parables, which which simply put is our earthly stories with deep spiritual truth. And so this week's parable is is titled The Parable of the Rich Fool. So Pastor Christian, let's just jump right in today. Um, the account of this teaching by Jesus really does intrigue me. Jesus shares this parable in response to a person's question. And the question doesn't seem to be a spiritual question, but Jesus answered this man's question by getting right to the heart of the matter. Um, I've personally seen you do this with people, Pastor Christian. I've, I've seen you answer hard questions, but you get right to the heart of the matter. Um, as a pastor who has asked a lot of questions, can you share your thought process as you're asked questions and, and you're, you're, you're asked to give these, these important answers to, to, to life? Well, yeah. So I think any, anytime you're asked a, a question, you want to try to get to the heart of the matter. I mean, you, you know, you really, you really want to try to get to the soul. A couple of weeks ago on, on the podcast, we, you know, we said, what is the heart? It's not the physical heart, right? And we talked about it being the gut, the bowels, the, I mean, the, you know, the soul that resides deep within us. And I think anytime somebody asks a question, especially a spiritual question, you, they, they've got, they've got something in their soul that needs to be addressed. Uh, and it's important to try to to try to get to that. Now, what's really interesting is in the last 24 hours, um, I've I, like I've had several conversations about this question that I didn't know um, you were going to ask. Mac Lake, who's one of my yes. spiritual mentors, uh, has always said as leaders, you usually have to ask the question why seven times before you get to the real question. Um, so, I, you know, I don't when someone asks me a question, I don't say, hey, why are you asking that seven times? But usually you have to filter through the initial questions to get to the heart of the matter. Uh, in my coaching time this week with Jimmy Dodd, uh, who leads the pastor serve ministry, I was talking to him about a few things uh, going on in our church and a few questions that I have been approached with that are not easy to answer. And I said, how do you how do you recommend answering this question? And he said, well, first, you got to figure out the real question. So he said, I think one when anytime somebody asks a difficult question, there's almost always a story behind it, and the story will give you the heart of the question. So he said, almost anytime somebody asks me a complex question, I will say, can you share the story behind that question? Because it seems personal to you. Um, so I, I think that's one way to help people understand, listen, I'm not just trying to answer your question. I'm trying to help you. So can you share why this is so personal to you? I think it's important when people ask questions to see people, not questions, I think when we're answering questions, again, we want to see people, not answers. We want to have discussions. Uh, sometimes we have to talk through things that don't have clear answers. I got an email just this morning from a uh, from a guy in our church asking three or four questions that do not have a spiritual answer. And I emailed him back and I said, man, those questions are great. I do not think I can answer them, but I am. I would be more than happy to discuss them. So let's hang out and just talk to them together. And maybe, maybe by talking through them, 
we can just get a little further spiritually, but I, I don't think they have answers. There are a lot of unanswerable um, questions. Uh, and, you know, I got another email this week from a, you know, from a gal explaining just a little bit in her life and asking a, a difficult question on how do you, how, how should I, how should I move forward in this area? Uh, but the information wasn't specific enough. Um, so we just emailed her back and just said, Hey, there's, there's actually a hundred answers to your question. Could you be more specific on exactly what you are asking for advice to. And I find myself in a lot of conversations, people come up to me and they'll talk for five minutes and then they'll get done talking and say, so what do you think? And I will respond. Is there a specific question? Right. Like What's you just, yeah, yeah. What, what is the, what is the question? Tell me specifically how I can help you because that's what people are looking for. They're looking for help. They're looking for care. They just want someone who will listen. So a lot of times you just you just have to cut through the first few layers so that you can get to the heart uh, of a question. And Jesus did not have to do that because he knew all men. He knew what was in their hearts. So like he did today, somebody was like, hey, can you be the arbiter of my inheritance? I don't think my brother's given me enough. Uh, and Jesus said, no one could arbitrate your greed. Your your heart is unhealthy. So let's just talk about your heart. Um, and that's, and, and boy, he, he just, he just jumped right in. He cuts right to the chase. Yes. So, so let's talk, let's talk about this parable a little bit. Once again, Jesus talks about money. Um, in fact, 16 of his 38 parables were concerning how to handle money and, and possessions. What would you say to the person who would argue, um, that the church really shouldn't be talking about money? Um, is is how we handle money and possessions really truly a spiritual matter? So here's what I would say. After this week, if somebody came to me and said, hey, the church shouldn't be talking about money, I would say, can you share the story behind that sentiment? That seems seems really personal to you. you so um, instead of just answering the question, I would try to get to know the person in the heart of the matter. Um, but is how we handle money and possessions a spiritual matter? Brandon, I've said this on this podcast several times. I'm the student, not the teacher, right? I, I am the servant, not the master. I'm the student, not the teacher. But Jesus said the servant should be like the master. And Jesus talked about money. I've never met a Christian who I, who I think would not go to Jesus' church if he was the pastor of a church in our town. And if he was the pastor of a church and just said everything that he said in the Bible, he would talk about money. As a matter of fact, in his parables, nearly 50% of the times he would, he would touch on that because of how much it's, it's linked to the heart. Um, I know I need, I need, and I needed to, and I continue to, to need to be talked to about my heart, um, and, and money. Um, I love to give, I think it's one of my spiritual gifts. I love to give. I, I have, uh, tremendous parents who taught me how to tithe, uh, give 10% at a very, very early age. Um, I, I say this as a, just as a matter of history, not as a matter of celebration. Sure, I don't, sure. I don't know a dollar that I've ever made that I haven't tithed off of my mom and dad. When we were little, when they would give us our allowance, they would give us a dollar and then they would give us a dime that we had to put in the offering. So at that point I was a penny short, you know, I get it because <laughs> I actually made a dollar 10. I should have given 11 cents. And just growing up, it was just always something that I did. I was a rule follower. 
and you're supposed to tithe. So, I mean, I, I just, my, my scholarship checks in college when I lived off campus, $252, um, you know, every, every two weeks that we would get for our room and board allowance if we weren't living on campus, you know, $26, I would always round up, um, would, would go in the offering every two, like I just, I don't remember ever not tithing. Um, but, I, you know, I've got money problems um, in my heart for a long time. Uh, God called me to ministry in sixth grade. It took until my junior year of college for me to be okay going into the ministry because I didn't I didn't want to be poor. Um, and it took me till my junior year of college where I thought it's okay to put my needs in Jesus' hands. Um, I knew I knew Jesus wanted me to go into ministry, but every pastor I knew growing up in the town that I grew up in, which was a very blue collar, um, probably lower middle class community in the very rural part of Southern Ohio. I mean, just past, uh, pastors I knew, pastors I was related to, they just always struggled. Um, I, I would have called them poor. They they struggled financially. I, thought, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I would love to serve Jesus, but I don't want to be that way. Um, and it took me till college to be okay to put my needs in Jesus' hands. Uh, later, as a pastor, when I realized um, you you could be a pastor um, and you could make a living, and churches actually paid people to to do ministry and to be leaders, uh, when God called me to step out of that world and sell everything and started a church. Um, I wasn't afraid to be poor, but at that point I was afraid to provide because I was a husband and a dad in college. I was just worried about me and I thought I can be poor. You know, if Jesus wants me to be poor, I'll be poor. No big deal. But now I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a dad. And it's like, I, you know, I'm good being poor, but what about my wife? What about my kids? And Jesus had to teach me again that it was okay to put my family's needs in his hands, that he would take care of us. Um, if we if we if we follow him, uh, you know, the love of money, the security of money, our trust in money, our pursuit of money can all get in the way of us following Jesus. Well, and if money is in any way a spiritual obstacle, we should talk about it. I, I should go. I, I would go as far as say this. Nothing should be off limits with Jesus. He knows what our hearts need to hear. And if he's talking about money, we should talk about money. Because there's something our hearts need to hear about it. Well, on Sunday, you unpacked um, four spiritual pictures revealed in this parable. I want to talk about the first one for a moment. Um, You stated this, we have to understand that what we've been given comes with surplus. Uh, Perhaps someone listening right now might disagree with you. They they might be struggling to make ends meet. They've they have more month than money, like you've you've said in the past. So to hear that we've been given surplus seems so far fetched. Where can we find this surplus that you're talking about? Have we missed it? Where's this surplus that that you're talking about? So if we believe the truth of Jesus that we studied in this message, that He will meet all of our needs, but He still expects us to tithe 10%, and his commands are not burdensome. That means anything he gives us includes an extra 10%. I mean, if those three verses are true, he knows all of our needs, he also expects us to give 10%, and he would never do anything that was too hard for us. That means everything he gives us has an extra 10%. So the surplus is always on the top. It's not what's left. We can't look at surplus as that's what that's what's left. At the end of the month... That's what's left. The surplus is what comes first. That's why we talked about the word first fruits. Um, the surplus comes off the top. The reality is some of us just need to adjust our needs because um, God knows God knows what we need. Sometimes we need or want 
more. So we need to adjust our needs or we need to work towards adjusting our needs till we live on 90% of what comes in because God always gives us a surplus of 10% that we can give back to him um, as a as as an act of trust, um, as an act of intentional faith, as a spiritual test uh, to see if we'll be obedient to, to show whether or not we see money through the lens of our heart or our hands, to see whether or not we live in expectancy. Every time we give, we are honoring God and we're trusting that he will take care of us. You say, where is the surplus? It's always on the top. It's the first it's, fruits. Yes, it's not, it's not what's left. Give what comes in first and watch God expand everything else to take care of of your needs, maybe not all your wants, but your needs. And I think the more you honor God and the more you get life together, the more you find yourself getting other areas together and, and you maybe even find more surplus to save a little bit or to invest a little bit or to help someone else uh, that that might need some of what you have, all while you're still giving the first 10% to God. In Luke twelve twenty, in our parable today, God calls the rich man a fool. And anyone else who builds up tremendous amounts of wealth without being generous to God. Pastor Christian, is is this an indictment from God about acquiring great wealth? Um, and if not, as we endeavor to build up wealth, what does it mean to be rich towards God? Yeah, so let me say this real clearly. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This parable is not an indictment from God about acquiring great wealth. As a matter of fact, some of the greatest Christians that I know today have acquired great wealth. There's nothing wrong with having too much money. There's lots wrong with money having too much of you. So um, what does it mean to be rich towards God? Paul told Timothy, a young pastor, this in 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19, he says, Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. What's really interesting there, how do we be rich towards God? We are rich in good deeds, we do good, and we are willing to share. We give. Uh, the only the only kind of comment that Paul gives Timothy here is make sure money is not your hope. He didn't say make sure you don't have money. He said make sure money's not your hope. Because if money is your hope, boy, you, you are in for a really difficult time. Listen, if God has your heart, God has your money. If money has your heart, money is your God. Right? Because whatever has your whatever has your heart is your God. If God has your heart, God has all your money. If money has your heart, money is your God. It's just a reality. That's really powerful. Well, Pastor Christian, last question for today. And this t let's talk about your generosity ladder, because this is going to be, I think, really helpful for people as they make their next steps in becoming a more generous giver. Um, in your generosity journey, and maybe in your personal generosity journey, or maybe what you've witnessed in the lives of others, which step in the generosity ladder seem to be most difficult and which have you discovered to be most fulfilling? So for most people um, that I, that I have discussed this with the most difficult part is tithing because adults who have already set their budget um, don't live on 90%. Right. 
And if they if they do, it's because that 10 percent is being invested or saved. Um, you know, the, I think the the median household income in lease summit is near seventy thousand um, dollars. You know, if, if that's you to just add a seven thousand dollar bill into your into your budget, it's probably more than your car payment. That's, you know, probably half your house payment. It is difficult uh, for our church who wants to see people who are far from God become Christians to reach someone who's brand new spiritually uh, and then see them have the margin or the faith or the sacrifice or the discipline to carve out 10% of their of their money um, so that they could tithe. I have found that be to, to be both the most difficult step, which is why in this generosity ladder, we start small. Hey, start giving, start giving, you know, a, a percentage consistently on a percentage basis, 3%, 4%, 5%, 6%, 7%, 8 you know, kind of work your way up with a goal towards God. I will honor you with as much as I can right now. If you will help me get to 10%, I'll keep working my way. Uh, I'll, I'll keep working myself in that direction. And then when they finally achieve it and they find themselves, they look back over a year and they have given 10% of their income uh, to, to be able to feel like, man, like God set that challenge before me and I did it and I showed trust and I showed intentionality and I passed the test, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I did it with my heart, not because my hands had so much money, but because my heart wanted to follow God. And now I live in this expectancy that God sees this and he's, he's going to honor this, maybe not with more money, but in, but in other ways, I, I've seen that for people in our church that we're trying to reach in our context who have gone from like zero spiritually to, to tithing. That's huge, huge, huge for me personally. Again, I was a kid who got a dollar and a dime. Um, so tithing, uh, for me has not, has not been the hardest step nor the most fulfilling for me. It's that difference maker level. It's, it's giving, it's giving over 10%, um, for this reason, it's probably the wrong way to look at it because I said, if God has your heart, he has, he has all your money, but I'm of the belief if God gives me a hundred dollars, he wants me to have 90, uh, like, you know, I, I will show this week in our message, my $9 bill and my $90 bill. Like to me, there is no such thing as a $10 bill. It's nine. There's no such thing as a hundred dollar bill. It's 90. Like if God gives me a hundred dollar bill, he intended for me to have 90. But even in saying that, it's like, now I've got to give some of mine to God because the tithe is just, is like giving him to, you know, giving him his own money. Now I'm, now I'm giving him my money. Um, which again, it's all his, but in my mind, for me to think, well, he gave me that 90% um, to, to see how I would spend it and use it. And for, for me to have at this point, looking back on it, for me to have the opportunity and the honor to, to sacrifice and carve out some of what is rightly mine, God has said, you can do whatever you want with this. That the first 10% is mine, but this is yours. To be able to give with that, what the Old Testament calls a free will offering back over and above the tithe, not because I'm commanded to, but because I want to, because I see what God is doing in the world, because I want to, because I want to support things that support the great commandment and the great commission and the great compassion. Um, for me, that was both the hardest step and it has been the most fulfilling step um, to give towards a mission trip, to give towards a building, to give towards um, help in our community. In addition to my tithe, uh, I just feel like God sees it in a different way. Like he's saying, man, that is, that is super sacrificial. 10% obedient. 
um, 11%, 12%, 15%. That is um, a sacrificial. Thank you. Thank you for giving some of what I intended you to have back for the causes that are most near and dear to my heart. So for most of our people, it's getting to the tithe. And man, I, I pray for those who are working towards it because I believe they're going to see God's blessing in their life in, in some shape or form, maybe not financially, but in other ways, maybe ways they won't even know till they get to heaven. Um, and then for those who have tithed and now they take some of theirs and they give that to, um, and I just believe God like, like supersizes and multiplies that like crazy. And it, it's, it's been great in my life to be able to do that. Sacrifice is really satisfying after it's done. Sacrifice is really satisfying after it's done. Well, Pastor Christian, I, I want to just tell you from my heart to yours, I greatly appreciate your willingness to speak so openly about this important spiritual truth, especially financial responsibility. And uh, we all need this reminder. So thank you, Pastor Christian. And we want to thank you for listening today. We pray that this has been a tremendous resource for you as you endeavor to grow in your relationship with Jesus and choose to live more like him. We look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.